to the Double E Podcast, Elephant in the Room. believe this is episode four, I believe, episode three or four. Um, before we get started here, uh, I just want, this is episode four, um, I just want to say uh, we've had great, great feedback from uh, Elephant in the Room, and I just want to give some really quick shout outs. To some of the countries that has tuned in to listen to the elephant in the room um, there's too many to actually name so I'm just gonna go through and pick out a couple China Netherlands Canada Japan Turkey Switzerland Poland Thailand Mexico uh, the Bolivian Republic of Venezuela Hong Kong Argentina Republic of Korea Germany, India, Indonesia, United Kingdom, Brazil, France, Ukraine, the United States, and Russia. Uh, That is just to name a few of the um, hundreds and hundreds of people that has tuned in to check out Elephant in the Room. With the star of Elephant in the Room and back for episode number four, we have Brother Howard. Brother Howard, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Ed? Uh Doing good. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Uh, Elephant in the Room is taking off. Um, Over 2,000 listens to the week before. Uh, Was this what you had kind of hoped for and kind of predicted when you first uh, brought this to me? Yeah, um, uh, you know, in terms of numbers, uh, anytime real conversations go down and, and people get the opportunity to think and they can think about serious subjects that should generate some kind of attention and some kind of consciousness. And, and, and we wanted to really go global on it because our, our concerns are, are global. And in terms of elephant in the room, we wanted to talk about things that have been here for a long, long time in terms of how we think and function as a people, not just African-American in particular, the human species. We wanted to examine that and see why we behave in a particular manner while the self-destruction and, and the uh, external destruction continues around the world globally. Um, uh, and uh, we wanted to get everybody involved in that conversation, specifically at a grassroots level, because we know uh, uh, the intellectuals and others above are, have uh, brought into the game uh, to the extent where the umbilical cord of the system is so tied in that they can't really chime in. And with what I call real-time reality. And real-time reality is you see history and it teaches us something. It teaches us something about what's going to go on in the, in the, uh, in the future. 
So our examination is about that. It's about cultures, that elephant in the room that really uh, 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 gets fear going in people. and No one wants to have that conversation, which is really strange because, you know, when you mention all of different countries chiming in and so forth, uh, it was a, really a segue to today's conversation, which is about globalization, See, which is a, a tremendously important uh, topic that we have to have a conversation on. We have to understand exactly what that is in the context of globalization in our time now and how globalization affected us, uh, us in the past because it's not a new phenomenon, but uh, in our current conditions of globalization with our unawareness of things, it's going to cause us a tremendous amount of trouble in the community and when we see this pressure and movement of globalization. See, it, you, you took it right out my mouth after you were going to... Uh get done talking I was going to say that brings us to today's topic globalization uh, how, how do you uh, how do you see the the African American role uh, playing out in globalization well quickly a, a quick rundown of what globalization is and it could be many different things but we see it as the restructuring and the movement of people, ideas, resources, and so forth and so on. So we see the global world, in a sense, shrinking. Years ago, uh, Pan-Africanism was a, a global process when with the consciousness of Africans was looked at in, in a panoramic view. So we call it Pan-Africanism. We can look to the 14th and 15th century, and we see the ultimate globalization of, uh, in our time of the European expansion out of Europe as globalization. The, the European idea was being globalized by Columbus, the Gama, you know, and so forth and so on. And this globalization was spread around the world. And we can go, we can go into antiquity and to ancient times and see the globalization of the African spiritual system, African cosmologies, and African systems all around the world that were the precursor for what we call religion and pantheons of gods and different processes that we call spiritual systems in different areas around the globe that had a central core if we centralized them back into Africa, that was a globalization. So the idea migrated with people. So globalization is the movement of people and the migration of people, thought, resources. And the sense we're talking about it today, it's a restructuring of the world. It's a restructuring of power. And it has much to do with population as anything else. And what we see is that globalization caused by this tremendous destabilization around the world. And our concern here in the African-American community is, you know, these large pockets of uh, folks coming into an already barren, unconscious community causes tremendous amount of, uh, of, of grief in, in the community, especially one as porous as our community. Porous meaning economic holes, holes of collective consciousness, and so forth and so on. So we haven't get our thing together in that sense. So globalization is a huge, huge uh, uh, conversation piece that we, we have to have if we're going to survive into, in, the, in the 21st century period. Because with the spread of globalization, there's many, many different beliefs and, and power plays being played out in the, in, the, in the communities. You know, you can see it anywhere you live. Uh, in the last several decades, the complexion of the community, in a literal sense, is, is changing specifically African-American communities, because 
uh, these communities can be bombarded with large populations without any uh, digression. In other words, this community won't say anything about 50,000 people being dropped into uh, this particular African-American community where a middle-class white neighborhood, you won't drop this population. So they make a, 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 a plan to set certain people in certain particular areas at certain times, and that's what globalization is really about, that restructuring of power and so forth. And, and, and it's huge. And, it, and it's so big right now in, in the world. So our, that's where our conversation needs to go. Uh, and in the next year or two, where it's going to be uh, uh, something that we, if we have to play catch up on this particular issue, it's going to be very, very difficult. Now, when you say uh, the dropping of like 50,000 people in a specific area or whatever, uh, right. you're talking. Something like uh, what happened during Katrina. Where... Yeah. It, it, so similar, what happened during Katrina was an internal, and that was a little bit different because the, the people were made into refugees. Right. You know what I mean? And that was an instability. So there's commonality there. But what I'm talking about is, uh, let me use a micro example uh, in certain areas. Say you have a, a, a culture, let me use the, the Somali culture or East African culture that comes into a particular community. And the problem is they come when they come in, and 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 I will use the word problem on this. And when people come into your home, usually you know about it, and there's a greeting in some way that you know somebody would be at your doorstep or in your home. Think of the community as a home in a sense, or your neighborhood. But there's no all of a sudden someone is in your home that was uninvited. You know nothing about this. See, okay. in our communities. It's that simplistic. It happens just like that. And that's why I use a, a middle-class white community. You won't see populations pulled in to that degree. We see it in the EU and in Europe right now. We see the Middle East being emptied into Europe, France, Spain, Germany, Greece, etc. But when you, when you look in our communities and you see these two dynamics coming into play, you see two particular cultures that don't know each other and don't really know much about themselves. So they're caught in these particular geographic areas, and there's no communication initially, you know, from, from these particular designated areas. Say, for, in, in this particular case, the areas could be Ohio, Minnesota, Seattle. I'm using designated areas where particular refugees, you know, if you call it that, we use terms like refugees, immigrants, etc. Whatever the system wants to call these destabilized people, right. as they come over, you know. There's a lot of history that we have to talk about when you have these things colliding, because the innuendos and the myths in the community as these two cultures collide causes tremendous friction, specifically in the African-American community, where there's already, a, what I told you earlier, a very porous environment in terms of we have economic holes from being consumers, we have holes in our whole system of family. We have holes in who we are as, as a people in terms of identity and personality. So that projection is all around the world. So we have people coming into our communities thinking they know us, but they really don't. They only know our projection vis-a-vis -vis the European projection of us. See, so they move into communities where often that projection is a reality. They move, in, they move into criminalized communities and into certain places that are redlined by the police, etc. 
you see what I'm saying, Ed? Yeah. They start their businesses there and they do certain things. Right on top of an already bad situation in the African-American community. And that's just something we have to take care of internally. But the pressure is already there in the movement of globalization. And it's doing it all over the world, not just the United States. This is happening, of course, all over this tremendous movement of ideas and, and processes. So they know that. They know that. So out of this chaos becomes order, in a sense. So we see the world shrinking, in a way, even though globalization says expansion. No, the ultimate means to an end will be the shrinking in the, in the order of it. In a sense, the one world order of it. Globalization is one of these steps in that right direction where small amounts of populations can control large amounts of populations because the populations are at each other's throat. In other words, that 90% of people are at each other's throat, Ed, or that 95% of the people of the world are at each other's throat, or that 98% of the people are at each other's throat, you know, through racism, sexism, and so forth and so on. They're continuously at each other's throat, while the small percentage that's been here since the beginning, long, long time, control the flow, you know, a population, because their population is shrinking and waning, but they created a world in which they can control the population. The population becomes simply, you know, puppets, and they become the puppeteer. That's what globalization is about. You see, it's a power play, and it's been going on for several decades, for several centuries, if we analyze it and look at it in the context in which it is. We very seldom talk about it in our community. We hear it all over the, the place on CNN and different uh, broadcasts. But in our community, we don't talk about the reality of globalization or anything, nor do we discuss anything else per se. But globalization is something that we have to talk about. The church should talk about globalization. See, all those things have to be talked about and spoken about in the community, you know, because we have a powerful influence coming in and an ancient influence coming in and we're being set up as if we were pawns. See, when you have these African-American communities traditionally Christian-based and you have large populations coming in, there has to be some impetus on communication in the beginning or we're going to have trouble, you know, and they want that trouble to exist. See, what I'm saying there is the world is being set up. I know that sounds wild. You're like, wow. You know, but the world is being set up. It's run fiscally. Globalization is about power. It's about resources. It's about controlling the economic systems and making people, in a sense, debt slaves around the world, you know, and giving this particular rhetorical ethics around the world as if uh, American expansionism, American exceptionalism is the way to go. So we only think in a particular way, you know. And so we never see ourselves, you know, uh, globally. You know, years ago, um, uh, people would come into the country, they'd be bilingual or multilingual people. Americans were basically, they were lucky to speak English because the power of America, they did not need to speak multiple languages. There was no need. The, the language of economics was, was English and so forth. So now we live in a global world. We have many different languages, many different cultures, many different things colliding. But see, the reality is, it's under one, the auspices of one power play. This is under one group that determines what is happening with the power in terms of globalization. And that is that one or two percent. I won't get into 
to uh, dealing with the order of it or the initiation of it or the priesthood of it. That's another episode that me and you will, will go into a little later. But anytime we talk about globalization, we have to talk about it at one at the community level when we see how it affects economics and how it's affecting our culture in particular. Or there'll be violence in the street and there'll be antagonism because of two cultures, even though they're the same. Even African-based cultures don't know each other. Like African-Americans always tell me in, in, in my classes and groups, many would tell me they have indifference towards Africans. Africans would tell me they have indifference towards African-Americans. Both the same people in terms of their genealogy, their lineage, but both have a distortion of history that they're both been colonized by the European Eurocentric system. So they don't know each other really well, or do they know themselves? So they have no history to call upon and on that. So thus we become that old thing is lazy, shiftless, demoralized, and so forth and so on. You know, not being able to take care of opportunities and others will come into America and see America as a shining star. See, and we've been here for 400 years, and we still struggle, 30, 40, 50%, what they call a hood, continuously struggle. Others will come off a banana boat, so to speak, and within months they have businesses, and they're thriving, receiving uh, services from job and family services or whatever uh, particular social service organizations coming in. They have a built-in patronage within their culture as well, where maybe the dollar turnover is better. So one person would patronize another of a particular ethnic group. You understand what I mean, Ed? Yeah. You know, yes, go go to your brother or go to your sister to spend your dollar. See, we don't have that. So we don't have that dollar turnover in the community. Again, all these things are something that we have to take care of internally as a people and become conscious globally and understand how globalization is affecting us. We have not paid attention to anything. We have not paid attention as a collective group. We have not paid attention because we are so complacent and we weaned off the kitty of European power so long, you know, and which is so strange when you analyze history to be dependent upon something that probably seeks to neutralize you and destroy you. Why do I say that? Because it's always been that way. That's a harsh statement to say. This is not an indictment towards people. These are systems that, that I'm talking about. You know, these are cultural systems. And their their organism is beyond the individual, so to speak. Now, why do you think uh, that is? As far as uh, we, as a people, oh, can't follow the patterns laid by other immigrants. You know what I mean? By well, keep, keeping the, please, keeping the dollar, how how come we can't keep the dollar in our own community? That's the question. Hey, Ed, you have to understand, economics is not necessarily a fiscal system. It is actually a social system. Money, remember, barter systems predate anything that you would call money in our contemporary time. Barter systems. In other words, Ed, you got corn, I got grain, let's make a trade or barter for a particular good, correct? Correct. Those are social systems. Economics is really a social system that is really a system based on civilization and faith. It is actually a moral system. Economics is morality. I know it sounds really strange, but it's a moral, ethical system. In European terms, 
and and with the European left brain in full effect, economics is is not that. Economics is a cunning system based on numbers and based on power, based on privilege, based on hierarchy, based on materialism, based on individualism. See, this is part of a particular culture. Our economic system was in place when we had our minds together. Now, as we participate in this folly, we don't like each other. So our social systems are distorted. Thus, we have no trust. See, so the consumer, you know, on one end, does not can trust, trust those who give him the product in our community because the value of the product and the, the uh, customer service is marginal. You can say that with any franchise. If I go to a particular franchise, ABC Chicken Joint in the hood, God damn it, my service is a little less than it is in another neighborhood. Can you dig it? Okay. The service goes up as you go into different geographic neighborhoods. Isn't that something, Ed, how the mind travels? Now, now, could that... You think that's more... Oh, God. I don't even know how to even put it. Uh, do you think that's, that's more of a brainwashing? That of the course it is, is Ed. That's more of a brainwashing. It is. It, it, it's, the, it's, it's the colonization of our minds and how we think. So internally, if you don't know yourself and you've been taught in a sense or inculcated or tuned in or your input is anti-self, you become exactly that. So your economic system has to be distorted. But this thing is very powerful. And remember, once it turns us into consumers, we've been weaned to consumerism. See, anytime you turn on TV, you know, 70, 80% of the function of the television is really advertisement. So you can become a consumer. Yeah. Everything from drug products to tennis shoes to whatever the particular product may be. Okay. See? So, right. So once, once they establish that consumer process and you become the consumer, now we have a different dynamic. So what do we consume and do, what do we need for that uh, consummation of power? What do we want to consume to show we have power, to, serve, to show we have worth in the community, to show we have value? So what if all these things of value and worth and power are really facsimiles? What if they're really not real? You see what I'm saying? And we put all our stake in them. That's what we've done, Ed. We've completely dismissed how the universe operates. We've completely dismissed the past and how we think and function as a people. So. Now, globalization becomes super critical, specifically to us African-Americans, because we have not worked together as a unit. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, everything has a hyper effect on us. Anytime you have people are not conscious together, you simply have a population. You can have 100,000 people. If they're all not on the same page, you simply got a population. <laughs> see? <laughs> If you get 100,000 people on the same page understanding the idea and what they want to move on to, you know, in terms of the future and their past, present, and future, you know, congeal and have a continuum, now these people move forward and they have a body politica, they have an ideology, they have a collective philosophy in which they move their process, and even more so, a collective system when they understand these subjective and objective realms of reality in which the universe operates. So they understand the science of living. So 
we have a problem with that right now. So we exercise the science of death. And our self-death comes through economics. We feed others outside of our community. So we consume. We feed others, and We don't feed our own process in our community. We don't make our own things. We, we, we've gone designer outside our community. You but, see, Michael Kors can't feed the neighborhood I'm thinking about. Louis Vuitton can't feed the neighborhood I'm thinking about. Gucci can't feed the neighborhood I'm talking about. But, see, their money comes from us. See. You see what I'm saying, Ed? It's right. like you, you, you go to a, a, a spot, uh, it could be, say, let's use this, Toyota, Honda, whatever it may be, and you'll see a small percentage of African Americans or people of color working there, yet 20, 30% of their, their, uh, their product, their gross natural product comes from us. We got to put pressure on those people and say you get 30, 40% of your payroll, you know, and your, your, your economics from us as consumers, yet we, very few of us are here in this facility working in terms of better manufacturing jobs or better places in the economy, period. Not just manufacturing, across the board. We act as individuals continuously, and that causes tremendous stress. And a lot of that's due, and it coming into play with this globalization piece, it's going to take it to a whole nother level. It's going to go to the second power now, Ed, because, see, people are going to look down and say, they got my job. This person has my job now. You see, see, the elite don't have to worry about that. CEOs and COOs of corporations and so forth and so on. But see, down here, it's going to have full effect on the people. So globalization has to be discussed. So this is a long, long conversation on, on, on your original question. But there's a lot to speak about on that economic piece in, in terms of why we can't function and why we have no dollar turnover in the community. It's because, simply put, we don't like each other. We want to consume things outside of ourselves and outside of our own community. You see, that's why back in the day we used to have white people front our, our most successful businesses. See, so they sold more donuts than you. You sold 10 donuts where a white person could sell 30 donuts, and you made the damn donut. You see what I'm saying, Ed? Yeah. So we have that built-in schism within us. It's no big deal, Ed. We've been conditioned to that. It's not a matter of being a, this person being good or bad. This was the preconditioning. This is the culture. This is the part of the matrix that, that we were born into, and we have to look at. So it comes. Uh, it comes with the uh, with the territory. We just have to be able to reestablish ourselves and get ourselves back together using our own minds and and our blueprint for thinking, which we very seldom talk about. <laughs> now, how how do we go about as a people to change that? What we're doing and what we what we have to do, everything is about education. Everything is about getting information to people at a at a point where they can get enough information to make decisions about who they are, and 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 and, and which is a real difficult thing. The, the, the main thing we can do is educate ourselves, educate our children, and, and, and educate everyone on how the world really operates. And this education is real big. I'm not just talking about African Americans. They rely on everybody being stupid, bro. See, racism is a function of ignorance. Everybody must be stupid. 
Everybody must be stupid to participate in it. But but as we look at culture and we see the germ seed of culture in European culture, we see that aggression and we see where racism could be part of the organism of Europe, specifically of European culture. But that's a story that we'll talk about in, in depth a little later uh, and so forth. So it may be a natural apparatus of the culture where two opposing opposites are always antagonistic. In other words, two parts of the whole never complement each other. Well, me and you, in a sense, added, we're looking for the complementary nature of two opposing opposites. And in a sense, for European culture, these two parts or components of a whole become antagonistic. See, one is good and one is evil. One is right and one is wrong. That kind of bipolar polarity doesn't exist in African culture. It exists in European culture. So that duality does not create harmony. And what if I told you most of the world thinks that way now? So there's no yin and yang, and there is no yin and yang. All those balances with nature are, don't come into play with this. This thing fights itself. It's made to fight itself. So when we start thinking like that, we fight ourselves. And that's what the world is really taking place. It has to find its humanness, and it has to educate itself, you know, in the past so it can understand who we are on the planet. And this is a real deep thing and when you talk about education and the whole process because it's going to take us to very uncomfortable places and places that we think we know. See, it's just going to take us very uncomfortable places and it's going to take us deep into Christianity to see the African origin and the origin of Christianity, the origin of Islam, the origin of Judaism, the origin of Hinduism, the origin of any particular religion. It takes us back to the central core of these things, the central philosophy out of Africa of all these particular things, how they developed around the world, how they came back into Africa antagonized. And when they came back in, there was a culture that tweaked them. Each culture tweaks things, pretending that it's its own geographic area and its own space and time. If the culture tweaks it, it makes it different. Sometimes it distorts it, and it hits it with all kinds of malice. See, so we follow a particular script that's not ours. Oh, yeah, Ed, this is how deep that question is. So we become that which we are not. See, you know, we're older than that. I tell folks all the time in, in, in my group, we always talk about certain things that we have no, no bars hold in, in many of my classes. They want to know about religion. They want to know about that. And I simply tell them, I use raw means blueprint. Anytime you see a RE, that means to re, relapse, re-up or something. If we have to re-religion, that means we lost something that we're reading up on. I simply tell them, what have we lost in the first place? You know what I'm saying? Okay, now this is my next question as far as, and, and how would it, let's say, try to keep it global with, with the globalization. We got a lot of athletes making a lot of money, basketball, right. football wise, but they're uh -huh. broke. A majority, like 70% of the basketball players will be broke after five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that yep. a lack? What? What? Why is that? Is that there? Well, well, and, and that fits into uh, it, it, like you said. You, know, you talked about globalization, economics, and culture, and so forth and so on. You know why the multi-million-dollar athletes end up broke with the with their invisible money that they have and their contracts. One, they they don't own anything that's worth anything. In other words, 
most of the things that they own will devalue as soon as they buy them. So, see, wealth, you know, uh, what I call income is different than wealth, Ed. Income is one thing, wealth is another. Wealth is accumulation that's based on resources, land, etc. In other words, you can pass wealth from one generation to another. Income, you can't. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a sense, we're just looking at income. I'm going to break it down and simplistically so we can see that process. You see what I'm saying? So wealth becomes a legacy. Income is very spontaneous and combustible. That's why you see them buy $10 million homes. We see them in TV cribs, owning $300,000 uh, cars, et cetera, et cetera. You're very short-lived because there's no particular plan or no cultural plan put together. No land, no resources, and no corporations being started. You know, remember back in the day, Ed, they would tell us, you know, education is the key, but they never told us what education was. They assumed that education was exactly what they told us it was, get a good job and, and hope for the best. But see, people, at the, cultures educate themselves to take care of the culture within and of itself. What does the culture need? How does the culture move forward? We didn't put that in place. They told us to get an education. They told us to get a good job. And we were competing against people at the dinner table. They said this, own the corporation, move things forward. How do you compete with that? And we, and we marginalize ourselves for decades and decades and decades. You see what I'm saying? We absorb that dehumanizing, demoralizing, and that marginalized process in terms of inferiority and superiority. See, we absorbed all that, my friend. That's what the whole deal is. That's what the whole elephant in the room is. It's about that little, that virus that we have to deal with and purge ourselves from so we can move programs together, so we can look at education pieces and stop playing games with ourselves and using the same formats that don't work. Education came from the missionary that colonized Africa, Ed. Our education system, again, Ed, came from the missionaries that colonized Africa. And th this education system was more effective than the warriors or any bloodshed because the education took the minds away. The education took the people's minds away so they forgot who they were. Every generation, every generation forgot more and more and more to the point where they forgot, where they forgot, where they forgot over and over and over again. So they had no memory of themselves. So we have to redefine what education is and how that functions in our community in Pacific. And then the human species has to define what that education is and stop settling for what this thing given them. See, you can't Google shit. Because the puppeteer behind Google and the input data comes from a particular source code. It comes from a source. We have to consider the source. All right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely do. Um, I mean, hey, man, you can't be in hell and expect ice water. <laughs> you know, um, I think it was Terry Bradshaw in his book, Keep It Simple, he said that uh, with one of his first checks, he, uh, he purchased land because they ain't making it no more. And right. and that that there just like kind of struck a, a core with me, you know? And I yes. always remember that. You know, if you yes. get a chance, buy yes. land because they ain't making it anymore. 
there's no question about you that. So that you know that kind of explains that whole process of of the super millionaire athlete, so to speak, or entertainer. And then you'll see anything happen in the communities. And we have these so-called individuals and politicians, wherever they may be. But remember, when you have a community that thinks as individuals and then inculcated in European culture, they become they become that individuals. So they don't think and function that way. See. You know the old adage of crabs in a bucket? That's some real shit. And it's always been the, the case. We don't talk about the crabs in a bucket, but we have a tendency to enact that across the board. We do it at the workplace. We do it everywhere. And that's all part of this globalization piece as this suppression of power and movement comes into play. We have to wake up and become aware of these things or they're really going to do some damage in the near future. See, now... Uh, now, how do we, as a people, switch it and 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 start thinking globally instead of just um, individualized? You know, I, I think I think pointed out in, in certain ways where we can see what that is. In other words, it's all around us. About twenty, thirty years ago, and you're a big sports fan. You remember there was a big push on football, not American football, but what you call soccer. Yes. Right? So yes. what was soccer teaching us, Ed? Soccer was the, the, the game that was played all around the world, right? Yes. It's the most popular game in the world. It's global. The United States wasn't dealing with so soccer. Back in my day, we needed to hear it. Anytime in gym class soccer came up, I said, oh, God, there was 40 minutes of wasted time running around like a fruitcake kicking a ball. You okay. know, we're too physical, too athletic. Our goal is completely different. So soccer didn't, didn't tune in, but they pushed soccer. So now soccer is part of the mainframe now, too. See, I'm using that micro analogy to see how globalization seeps itself in. So how we have to be aware of it being around us. See? Again, that consciousness comes into play so we can see these global aspects. You're, if you're an NBA fan, you see can come into play. You know, and the numbers decrease as they look for players around, all around the world are being weaned. If you're in Major League Baseball, you see globalization coming into play. So in the sports arena, and, 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 then, and you see the process of globalization seeping into the culture and so forth and so on. You'll see it on TV and you'll see it present around the world. And, and, and it's happening. We just have to pay attention to what's happening around the world. In Europe right now, you know, the EU or the, the European Union is having trouble with the population process at the border coming in from the destabilization. So we see large influx of people moving out of their homes that have been destabilized because they can't live there anymore. I mean, by the hundreds of thousands, Ed, by the hundreds of thousands. Just think of yourself right now in your career right there, and 50, 200, 300 people move in, and they start building places right in your backyard or whatever it may be. You don't know these people. They don't know you, but they think a particular way about you, and you think a particular way about them, Ed. You know, and you and, and you go and your your kid tries to get a job right down the street, and then you see that he didn't get that job, but one of them just got the job, Ed, and one of them just got off the boat two weeks ago, 
and you say to yourself, why did your son qualify and this person doesn't even speak English in your mind? I'm breaking it down to the rawness now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's globalization at the grassroots level, bro. Globalization is in your face. Where I'm at right now, you have to go to specific areas in town. Uh, in town, you might not see any African-Americans. You see black people all around, but none of them really hail from America, per se. They're, they can be from anywhere on the globe. Have the same you and color of you, but they don't know the history. So you, got, you guys aren't connected historically. You're not connected linguistically and certainly not connected psychologically. So this is, a, this is something we have to talk about. You know, it's, it's going to cause us a lot of lot of problems. It's going to cause a lot of people a lot of problems. Uh, not in the near future. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Shit. We got we shit. Ed, you better do a study on it. No. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a hell of a thing, Ed. You know. Go ahead, my friend. Now, 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 you were mentioning. Um, you know, some people coming in, uh, setting up shop, hiring their own, uh, and then that causing a lot of uh, resentment, a lot of anger in the community, uh, a lot like with the Korean grocery stores. Exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. Just... Yeah, you remember back in the day, because uh, you know, specifically in our community, you know, all the shops and most of the whatever. Uh, uh, businesses we had, 80-90% of them were owned by, by other folks. Yes. And we became a consumer and of course they follow you around the store, etc. You know the old story Ed. Right. So that's, that, that, that comes into place and everything becomes parasitic in the community that doesn't take care of itself. I don't blame the Koreans or any of the shop owners. I blame us. We're, we're the ones that victimize ourselves to allow these things to go down. You see, you see, and, and this examination takes us a lot of places, Ed. It takes us into power, you see. And one of the things I use in class, when they talk about power, we talk about economics, we talk about all these things we talk about today. I said, if me and my group, I'm in a class with 15, 20 people, let's walk through the community. And we're walking through the community. In a three-mile radius, we see 55 churches, Ed. <laughs> no, Fifty-five churches. Every corner in the black community is a church or a liquor store. Corner. <laughs> There's no other community you can go to in the country where every corner is a church. And if you ever ask yourself why all those churches and all those things are in specifically poor communities, why? And if, the, if you go into a richer community or a Jewish community at the one synagogue or another community, you may see one or two facilities in, in these particular geographic areas, you know, and you'll see power, economics, and so forth in thriving communities. But you see distortion in our communities, and you see a church in every corner. See, if you understand history, you'll know why there's a church on every corner in the African-American community. You see what I'm saying? It's our disconnect. It's our disconnect to our spiritual system. That's why we have so many, Ed. Hmm. It's our disconnect to the origin. That's why we have so many, Ed, because they don't permeate power. They don't teach power. They don't teach self. They don't teach economics. They don't teach love of self. They don't teach love of others. They don't teach that. 
See, they play games with us, talking about the New and Old Testament. Man, stop. We're much older than that. Those are all games being played. Because if they weren't, and if God had that particular power, we wouldn't see the world as we've seen it today. So you're telling me in our community, our God has no power, and i got a church on every corner? Because you damn sure don't see the manifestation of that power. That's globalization, my friend. You see what I'm saying? And that's been going on for decades and hundreds of centuries. That's part of that slave mentality and that colonization of our minds that go down. So they offered us that. So this was the trade-off, Ed. They got the land and we got the Bible. God damn it, I'd rather have the land. <laughs> Do you feel me? Uh, yeah. See, but I know about what I know about the little book, what they call the little book on the Heliobivia, the book of the sun, really comes from me anyway. So what, what they're giving me is a reprint and distorted copy from their culture. You see? I'm much older than that. I don't need to play God games with Mark, Luke, and the rest of them Africans that they see in the book. Because the Negroes in the community actually seen Jesus, Jesus would not qualify. Jesus would not qualify. If they see the black nappy here, Jesus, Thomas, see his Nazarene name, and so forth. If they seen him, if they seen Luke, they seen Matthew, they seen Paul, these Africans in the Nile Valley. They would not believe it. They would look for that picture and rendering by Michelangelo. They would look for the Last Supper. You see the kind of conditioning process that's involved in that, Ed? That's a sickness. So what I'm saying, in a sense, we got to get our own internal God concept together as well. This is really what education is about, getting your God on and getting your goddess on. Yeah, all over the world. They are hungry, Germany, goddamn it, listen to that. That's the reality of it all. You gotta get your God on. And once you get your God on, the community comes into play. Then you can build the damn pyramids. Then you can build the Sphinx. Then you can build those structures that the Europeans say, oh, how did they do that? Cause we got our God on. We don't have no God on right now, Ed. See, we don't have no self-love mechanism. We don't have the blueprint. We don't follow the blueprint for it. See, this is critical mass when I talk about that's the elephant in the room. That's how we really solve problems. You get your God on. And we don't have that. So we got churches in every damn corner that don't mean nothing. They don't educate. They don't take care of the people. They bypass their time. They took us out of slavery, so to speak. But they've been co-opted. Our religion has been co-opted. Yeah, I said it on air, Ed. That's how deep it is. You simply have to do your research to see how that comes into play. So we become stagnant with our God. You see, that's what we're really dealing with. This is globalization of the idea. Remember I told you earlier in our conversation in our first couple of minutes, globalization is not a new phenomenon. They globalize the idea. See, the slave trade would have never took place without Christianity which Dr. Clark says was the handmaiden to the slave trade. It needed it. On the other side, Islam also attacked the Africans. Yeah, African slave traders have Arabitized Islamic. We don't talk about that process. Those are conversations that upset people, but they're history, and they determine the shape of the world we live today. You see what I'm saying? We have to get out of this state of uh, amnesia so we can get our God on 
and educate ourselves and educate the human species how to live on the planet. We haven't figured it out in millennia. It's been a long time since there's been peace on the planet and this little 1% of the population has instructed the other 99% in the complete utter, utter chaos and war. We war anytime they tell us to. Automatically, you go into it because they condition you to some fake-ass patriotism that really exists. As if the United States of America was a nation and you know damn well it's a corporation. That's the elephant in the room. See, the world's become a corporation, Ed. What do we do now? <laughs> Dude, that was deep. I think I only asked maybe two questions the whole time. That's all you need to ask, goddammit. <laughs> That's all you need to ask, man. That's what the elephant in the room is about. Oh. You know, it's a lot of the elephant squeezes stuff. We, 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 all we want to do is express it, look at it, and, 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 and uh, identify it, and, and, and deal with it, and engage in it. And the elephant, and all the things about dealing with the truth. Nobody, very seldom out here, that we want to talk about the reality of any goddamn thing. And that's the, and that always disturbs me in any industry and in all these processes. You know, if we don't wake up soon, we won't be able to wake up. See, the plan is about depopulation. Yeah, yeah, depopulation. See, people would die of curable diseases. You see, people would die of these things, and they already are around the world. This is across the board. I'm not talking about the black, white, brown, and yellow. Everybody in the world's involved in this process. They're shrinking this thing for a reason. The technology comes into play where now they don't need 500 people to yield a particular product. All they need is 50 people. The technology would take care of the other you see what I'm saying? So you need less and less people, Ed. See, all they have to do is push a button. You see, it's always about genetics, Ed. Globalization is really about genetics. And it always has been since the beginning of time. So if we don't want to get on our own bandwagon on this, I predict a not what what they call Negro Domus. I'll go Negro Domus on you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Negro Domus says we are in trouble and that we may not be here, but we may be in camps soon and volunteering ourselves for camps as they continue this process and the protocol continues. Like I said, in in more episodes as we move forward. We'll go deeper and deeper into these things because really everything that we talked about today was really about globalization, Ed. Even though it sounds like a tangent of wild, wild accusations, it isn't. It's what's all around us, what we care not to see, or we don't see, or we're not trained to see. So you you must see with your third eye and develop your third eye, and that's not your sensories, your 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 ears, your eyes, and your sensories. Your third eye is feeling that vibration and understanding that frequency around you, understanding how the universe operates so you can see things and feel things at a deeper level. See, but now we live in a despiritualized world where we can't function. I'm back to that God concept. We, we can't get our God on. We can't get our goddess on. And we want to function at a high level when we, we deal with such low frequencies. We can't solve any problems like that. You see what I'm saying? And we accept 
all the tools from our so-called enemy or our adversary. See? So we bring feathers to a gunfight. <laughs> you see? If you're going to bring a death of feathers to the gunfight, you better make sure that feather is part of your mind so you can be light as a feather so you can understand the pliability of that and the nature of it. See, we got a sickness that, 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 that uh, I said we'll expose every episode and we'll talk about it. We, get people, we want an international dialogue. We want people to chime in and ask you questions around the world on this because it's affecting everybody around the world. I don't care if between the Ukraine, Russia, Europe, you know, Brazil, you know, Africa, right. Australia. There's a history and a story behind this global world in which everyone needs to talk about right now and right now is the time to talk about it because it's moving full speed ahead. See, the New World Order is not coming. The New World Order is here and it's been here for a while. See, well, maybe, I told us, again, maybe we, we got to get our hands that. on the steering wheel of this thing so we can take it in the righteous place where it needs to go. Maybe we can talk about that on next week's episode, okay? Um, dude, we're, we're, we're uh, almost out of time. I just want to thank everybody for listening to episode number four of Elephant in the Room starring Brother Howard. Uh, real quick, I want to give some more shout outs to the other countries that have been listening to our podcast. Nigeria, Bangladesh, Egypt, Morocco, Iceland, Croatia, Chile, Portugal, Bulgaria, Serbia, Italy, the Philippines, United Arab Emirates. Sweden, Pakistan, Israel, South Africa, Kazakhstan, Australia, Taiwan, Ecuador, Vietnam. Um, anyone that, that would love to be a part of the elephant in the room can uh, hit us up at double E-D-O-U-B-L-E-E-785 at gmail.com. You can comment on SoundCloud. Um or um, iTunes or any Android app. Um, just tune in to Double E Podcast. Not only do we have Elephant in the Room, we have New Music Tuesdays. We also have I Got Next, a video uh, review show starring Dominique and Chris. Uh, Brother Howard, any, any, any final words? Oh, no, Ed. Basically, just look forward to the next episode. Wake up. <laughs> you just named all those countries. If anybody's listening out there, basically wake up. You know, I feel like I'm uh, uh, on, on the planet uh, coming down saying, wake up. Because from the outside looking in, uh, the human species must wake up uh, because it's been duped. It's, it's really been played. So they really have to understand who they are. And, and, and if, if pawns work in unison, they become the most powerful pieces on the board. You understand that the pawn is the most powerful piece on the board. If it works in the unit, I'll say peace. Cool. Thank you, Brother Howard. You know what? I did not get the music set up to to, to close us out. <laughs> I hope this song here is pretty good. Uh, on behalf of Brother Howard, this is Double E telling you to tune in next week to Elephant in the Room. <laughs>